Coming up on the Shelly Irwin Show podcast today, Experience Grand Rapids unveils a new Brusader app. We get the details. He's only 15, but Krishna Mano is making a difference. We talked to him about how. The Killer Blues Headstone Project raises money to place headstones on unmarked graves of blues musicians from around the country. We learn all about it. Jewish Theater Grand Rapids presents The Hat Maker's Wife. We get a preview of the show. And the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society gears up for its 2024 Visionary of the Year campaign. Experience Grand Rapids has unveiled a new Brusader app, a Beer City giveaway. It's a sixth anniversary. I think we're still Beer City, and we get that answer from you, Kate Lieto, on behalf of our Experience Grand Rapids. Good morning to you, Kate. Good morning, Shelly. I think we are still the beer city. That's right. We are beer city, but we are, um, there's a vote running right now that we are asking everybody to vote for us to keep that beer city title from USA Today. So that vote is live on experiencejar.com and um, they closed the polls showing who was in first. They did that about a week before the end, but we were in first place when they did that. Oh, let's keep that title forever and ever. But if not, we're still a beer city. All right, let's uh, look at how you are perhaps helping this experience Grand Rapids. Uh, of course, you and yours announcing the relaunch of the popular Brusader app. What is happening? What is this app? Yeah, so our Brusader app is a beer app that's been really popular. We're celebrating our sixth year, and we just launched a brand new app. So the new app is a new and improved version. It's got all new challenges, all new ways to experience Beer City. Um, With the concept, the core concept still being the same, go to eight breweries, checking in along the way, and we'll give you a free T-shirt. We have given out over the past, um, since launch, we've given out over 22,000 T-shirts. Wow. Wear your T-shirt proudly. There we are. All right. So let's start with the basics. Uh, I'm listening. Uh, I want to be involved and uh, obviously support. Do I start with downloading the app? That's right. Yep. So this is an app. Um, You can get it on Android or iPhone and you can type in Beer City Brusader and find that app there. Download it. If you already have it, we do have um, about 25,000 users that already had the app before this launch. So All of those people can just update their app, see all the new features, and their progress will transfer. So if they'd already checked into eight, those eight will transfer over to this new app as well. And of course, before I go into more details, why was it important in the the boardroom to bring back this Brusader app according to EGR? Yeah, you know, we just really needed to um, update it. We've got so many great breweries, and um, the breweries are all really doing something They're all trying to um, make new things and please the customers. So we're um, working on sending people their way. You know, we've seen a lot of breweries um, adding in cider. Some are distilling. Some have mead. So they're all um, putting a spin on what they've been offering and, of course, still having great beer as well. Tell me how the digital badge for events uh, like World of Winter and the highly anticipated Winter Beer Fest, how do these badges work and why are they important? Yeah, so that's really the new and exciting part of this new app. Um, There's a whole achievement area. So it's a gamified path. So in addition to getting um, your T-shirt and prizes, you can also collect badges along the way. So right now we've got a World of Winter badge running. World of Winter is going on in downtown Grand Rapids. 
And um, if you check into different breweries downtown during World of Winter, you earn that badge. You also mentioned the Winter Beer Fest coming up um, Saturday this week. If you check in um, at the ballpark during the Beer Fest, you can earn that badge as well. So a fun way to collect badges, um, show where you've been and what you've been doing as you've been in the Crusader app. Oh, yes, that Winter Beer Fest is uh, is this weekend. Usually I talk about that, but glad that you have, have mentioned that. Um, what about this Beer City Crusader giveaway? We are running a giveaway to celebrate the new app. So anybody can go online on experienceyard.com and enter this giveaway. We are giving away a, um, we call it a beercation, a beer vacation weekend. So it can be for locals or tourists alike. It includes a two-night hotel stay, um, a gift card from the Great Lakes Pub Cruiser, and then also restaurant gift cards, brewery gift cards, a bunch of Beer City merchandise, and some spending money as well. So just a great way to have a um, fun beer weekend in Grand Rapids on us. Yes, very nice. And, of course, this is what us does, Experience Grand Rapids, making sure the experiences in Grand Rapids are uh, uh, full of adventure, excitement, and more. That's right. We're all about, um, as you said, experiencing Grand Rapids, but also all about tourism, inviting people to come and experience our destination, and making it a great place and promoting all the great assets that we have for locals, too. Yes. And how do I get that T-shirt? Uh, well, first you got to download the Brusader app, then check into eight breweries, and there's no time limit, so you don't have to do it all. We don't recommend doing it all in one day or one weekend. Um, and then fill out a form, and we can either mail it to you or you can pick it up um, at a local pickup point. All right. It's all about uh, taking notes and uh, setting goals for sure. Are there deadlines I should be aware of? The giveaway ends March 31st, and um, the voting for the Beer City USA, USA Today vote goes, I believe, four more days. All right. That's uh, four strong days to vote. One more time, my best resource is? ExperienceGR.com. All right. On it. Bruce Sater app I am downloading and uh, getting ready to earn uh, my badges. We want to be and continue to be the best beer city, and it takes a village. Kate Lieto, on behalf of Experience Grand Rapids, you rock. Thanks. Thanks, Shelly. Let's talk to an up-and-coming. He's already made his radio debut in studio s- several months ago with his classmates, but now it's all about him. Krishna Mano in the house. He's only 15, but if you see his resume, it's uh, most likely uh, uh, running for president re- resume. So put that on your on your list of things to do. Krishna, I'm glad you're back. Thank you. Good to see you, Miss Irwin. Appreciate you and... Um, Wow, yes, I did recognize you because you were here with uh, some of your classmates, and, and you stood out, so uh, something's working. Good. Thank you, Ms. Irwin. How would you describe yourself? Okay, so my name is Krishna Mano. I am a sophomore at City High Middle School um, here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'm 15 years old, and I've started exploring um, the intersection of political science, economics, and technology, and these interests have drove me to establish the Global Citizens Association, or GCA, um, as well as my own talk show on YouTube called The Take with Krishna Mano. Yes, very nice. We'll talk about it all. But you're still studying a little reading, writing, and arithmetic too, correct? Yes, I am. Good. I want to make sure you're, you're, you're normal to boot. Uh, first of all, uh, 
do you come from a family of go-getters of those who uh, have you reach for the stars uh, and uh, and and talk about what you believe in? Of course. So my family, um, I have an older brother and two parents, and they've always been super supportive of whatever I do. Um, you know, especially with the take, um, which we'll talk about later, of course. Um, I just thought of it as like a fun little idea to start on, but I didn't really have like the basics down. So my parents kind of guided me and were like, okay, first you have to learn about video journalism. Um, and then you have to learn more about, you know, how to put those videos together and how to actually get them out on the web, um, through YouTube or any other platform and just all throughout the journey, they've been there with me. Thank you for that. Uh, and yet uh, it takes your, yourself to get up and uh, run with the passion. So let's get right into uh, what we need to discuss. And I want to talk, first of all, about the Global Citizens Association. Yes, of course. So just to give you some background on how the GCA started, um, I first attended a um, summer camp when I was in fourth grade. It was a day summer camp for two weeks. And I was introduced to it um, by a friend of mine, Mr. Fred Stella. And Do you know Fred Stella? <laughs> wonderful. Um, and it was hosted by the Kaufman Interfaith Institute at Grand Valley State University. And it was essentially to help students um, get involved with the interfaith community here in Grand Rapids and all across West Michigan from a young age. And I will say um, the first reason I went there was because I'm a big foodie. So just having a constant supply of, you know, global cuisines. Yes, was... What did you have for breakfast? Um, I don't remember exactly, but at the mosque, uh, at a local masjid, they had this amazing kebab. And I will tell you, I was completely blown away that first day. Um, but honestly, after that day camp experience, after going to these mosques and synagogues and Buddhist temples, I just learned so much about what it means to be like a global citizen. Um, and also, just before that, I had a more Hindu-based personal worldview. But after going to this camp that worldview just expanded so much more and became so much more intercultural. And that just taught me to become more of a global citizen myself. And after that, in sixth grade, after two years at the day camp, um, I started going to the Kaufman Scholars Program. It's the Kaufman Interfaith Leadership Scholars. That's more uh, directed towards helping students uh, directly impact the community. So it's more of like the impact side of the interfaith world. And this just taught me so much more even after the day camp. And I think everything I've learned from the Kaufman Institute was best summarized by a Hindu spiritual leader I look up to, Swami Vivekananda. And he said, religion like languages say sound different even when they say the same things. And I thought that was just so beautiful and, you know, perfectly what described Kaufman's mission. And based off of this, I started realizing that, you know, at the Kaufman program, it's truly something we have special in Grand Rapids, but it's only accessible to the students who are part of that program, which I would say is about 20 students in the scholars program and a few more in the day camp. And I was just thinking of ways to make this more accessible to students across Grand Rapids who might not be able to go to the Kaufman Scholars Program because of transportation needs or accessibility issues, whatever the reason may be. So I started to bring the Kaufman Ideals over to schools um, across Grand Rapids. Uh, and that's how I established the Global Citizens Association. So currently we're active in my school's high school and our middle school. Um, and we essentially talk about all these world religions and cultures. Uh, we bring in guest speakers, both students and adults, to get different perspectives about those religions. And we're hosting uh, school-wide service projects to just 
hone in at, on that mission of promoting interfaith um, and intercultural appreciation. Yes. So basically, you're 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 bringing this to your peers, your middle and high school student peers. Essentially. Wonderful. Is there a uh, website for this to find out more information? Yes, it's at globalcitizensassociation.com. Great. Tell me about the take. Yes, of course. So um, the take started back during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm sure we all remember those days. We were bored out of our minds. And all I did with my parents during that time, or a lot of what I did, was um, watch YouTube videos because that's one of the only things that were available with us. And um, what truly interested me was watching late night talk show hosts um, like Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, Trevor Noah, everyone like that. And I was just so impressed with the fact that they were able to take these news stories that were devastating to, to the world and turn them into something that was actually enjoyable by the public. And I was also on social media a lot during that time. So I realized that um, there was a lot of misinformation being spread, especially during an election year like 2020, um, an essential year for our democracy. And I realized that a lot of this misinformation was targeted towards students. So then I had the idea of, okay, let's you know continue what these talk show hosts are doing, but target them to students who are specifically being affected by this you know extreme dissemination of misinformation online. And with that, I started the take over the summer of 2021. Um, and we have we started off with full on episodes. Um, and those episodes weren't just ones that I was passionate about, but it was also the ones that I knew a lot about. Um, mostly through my active involvement in, in our school speech and debate team, as well as um, with my work at the City Voice, our school's newspaper. And we were just, you know, like having all that knowledge in me, I just felt the need to, you know, put it out there somewhere and share it with the general public in a humorous way, of course. Um, and that was what a lot of my original uh, episodes were centered around, like unemployment, um, children, war refugees, things like that. And then recently I've gotten more into... Um, the YouTube shorts aspect, which are just one minute clips, just summing up the news um, for people who just want a quick summary of what's going on. So who's your target audience with the take? Um, most of my target audience goes towards students um, and young adults who are just like me, like fellow 15 year olds, because they're the ones who are getting affected most by this misinformation because their brains are still developing and trying to gather as much information as possible. And that's kind of made clear uh, with the interviews I do. So whenever I talk to um, you know, Senator Debbie Stabnow, for example, or uh, uh, State Maj Senate Majority Leader Winnie Brinks or Mayor of Grand Rapids, Rosalind Bliss. Um, a lot of my questions are centered around what do they have to say to students who are trying to look up to them and get into those positions of power just like them or become social activists just like them? And what exactly uh, do they offer as advice for the next generation? And of course, you have been listening and taking notes as well. Speaking with Krishna Mano uh, here in studio, he's a big deal. Check out his YouTube channel, The Take, and of course, globalcitizensassociation.com. Again, you described as a lively and inspiring 15-year-old. I'll, I'll look forward to a conversation when you're 25. What else would you like us to know? I think that's mostly it. Currently, my plans for the future are trying to expand the Global Citizens Association um, to other schools across West Michigan and eventually, hopefully, across the state um, is what I'm hoping to do, at least, uh, just because, you know, Grand Rapids is something so special, like the Kauffman Interfaith Institute, and I'm just trying to spread that message as much as I can. Yes. What do you do for fun? 
ooh, I have a lot of hobbies. Um, I play basketball with my brother and friends. I like to go paddleboarding and skiing, uh, considering Michigan has extreme weathers in the summer and winter. Um, I like playing the violin and, of course, reading. And more. Thanks for your uh, well-rounded self. Uh, the future is in your hands, and thank goodness in ours as well. GlobalCitizensAssociation.com and The Take on YouTube. Yes, Take with Krishna Mano. Thank you, Krishna. Thank you so much. Let's talk about it again. You need to know all about Killer Blues. Finding blues musicians from around the country who have passed or are in unmarked graves, raising money to place headstones on these graves. We'll ask you, Steve Salter, how many graves you are up to and what you need from the community. Always a pleasure. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Shelley. Thank you for you, and good to talk again. Uh, Killer Blues, I guess you get right to the uh, the point with the name of the organization. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, and just a little background on that. It, Killer Blues started out as a, a uh, CD vendor at Blues Festivals, and my motto was all killer, no filler, that I was only going to sell the, the Killer Blues. And... That business kind of went away with the rise of downloads, and and while doing that, I did research and found blues musicians that were in unmarked graves and, and figured that would be my new focus, and I had built 10 years of name brand recognition with Killer Blues, so I kept it. Just added Headstone Project behind it. Nice. Thank you to you. And are you a blues kind of guy? I, you know, I'm a music guy. I love music. There's only two kinds of music, kind I like and kind I don't. And the, the kind I don't is very, very slim. So nice. I like music, but I do have a special affinity for blues because, as it's been said, blues is the roots. Everything else is the fruits. That's nice. Killer Blues, it is a 501c3 nonprofit with a mission, of course, the Killer Blues Headstone Project, existing to provide headstones, as I mentioned, for blues musicians lying in unmarked graves. Why is this important to you to, uh, um, to find these graves and to mark them? Well, these are, these are individuals that, that basically created this music that is recognized all over the world and loved all over the world. And so many of these artists that we've uh, placed markers for were not the star. They were they were the, the side men, the side uh, artists that uh, provided the background for the for the stars. Or maybe they, they were just uh, one or two records. But these people need to be recognized for their contribution to this music and, and certainly honored with a, a proper marker. Yes. What's your geographical area here, Steve? Well, uh, we have placed now 159 headstones in 16 states. Wow. Including, so the, trust that's including Michigan. Yes, the, the actual very first stone that we placed as, as a headstone project, as a nonprofit, was in Michigan for uh, Big Maceo Merriweather. How does it work? Give me a, a scenario of... of uh, of, of finding an unmarked grave and finding who needs a headstone. You know, and that's that's the, probably the, the most uh, mm. often asked question, how do you find these individuals? Yeah. And uh, the short answer is every way in any way you can imagine. Uh, sometimes uh, family comes forward and asks for help. 
uh, more often it's uh, uh, hours and hours of research, digging, uh, reading history, and, and I, I come across the name of someone I'd never heard before, do a little more digging, and, and if we can locate where they're buried and uh, determine whether they have a marker, then we, we uh, record that. If they don't, then they go on the list of those in need. Are you music musicians from all ages and walks of life, Steve? Yes, uh, we're we're pretty uh, open with our requirements. It's pretty much they they had to have made a contribution to the music. Thank you for uh, that. Some of them are much more famous than others. I'm on your KillerBlues.net website. Uh, where you're pleased to announce you've placed a headstone for Warren Lee, a.k.a. Lee Jackson, at Mount Glenwood, Willow Springs, Illinois. Yes. That, and that that individual was someone that his his uh, name, Warren Lee, people didn't know it. He, he recorded as Lee Jackson, so we had a very difficult time finding where he was to begin with. And then it took a, a number of years to uh, get... Uh, permission. We we always try to find family. We we want to have family involved, but so many of these people, on on an average, they they've been in in a unmarked grave for over 60 years before we we get to them and and are able to mark them. So it's a uh, always a struggle. Yes, but yet uh, conquering. Steve, you are raising money to place headstones on these graves. How's that happening? Well, it, it's uh, it, we've had kind of a, a change of uh, the way things. We, we raise money for uh, many years. We we put on concerts in my uh, hometown in Whitehall, and uh, it, it's gotten so expensive that it, it just uh, it it wasn't a viable way to to raise funds. So that that brings me to something I'd like people to know that um, in this this summer at the uh, food truck. Uh, rally at the uh, Riverside Park. Uh, the Headstone Project will be sponsoring two of the uh, alcohol sales there. So we're able to, by selling the beer and wine at the food truck rally, we were able to raise money. And it, last year it was we did it a couple times and it was very successful. So we'll we'll be returning back to that this this year on uh, May 31st and. June 28th at the uh, Riverside Park in Grand Rapids. Already looking forward, and of course, in between, check out killerblues.net to see how you can help or if uh, you have uh, a person who needs that headstone. What else would you like us to know, Steve Selter? Uh, that we, we've also, uh, starting this weekend on the Friday and Saturday night uh, blues programming on WGVU, the uh, Headstone Project has become a sponsor of the, that uh, blues programming. So nice. you'll be able to hear my, my pitch uh, on the blues programs for at least a couple months. We'll, hopefully it'll uh, generate some interest and maybe some donations and we can continue on with our mission. Thank you for supporting WGVU's mission with its blues programming. Killerblues.net, thank you for uh, your um, voice and obviously your testament to this mission. Enjoy your beautiful time in White Lake, Steve, and I know we'll talk again. Thank you. Thank you, Shelley.
happens on Leap Day. That's February 29th. Don't miss this opportunity to see The Hatmaker's Wife by Lauren Yee. We get the best in studio, directed by Mary Beth Quillen. Mary Beth, always a pleasure. Good morning. Good morning, Shelley. Thank you to you, John Stevens Douglas, playing, well, I guess the Hatmaker. Uh, there's probably a name in there as well. John, good morning to you. Good morning. I don't want to digress, but we hear you on Real Music on WGVU. We'll get you back because this is a big anniversary. Yeah, 30th anniversary this year. Very nice. Congratulations to you. February 29th to March 10th. In between, uh, of course, we'll get you the specifics on that. Mary Beth Quillen, tell me about The Hatmaker's Wife. Well, The Hatmaker's Wife is um, a story that some call a fable, some call fantasy, but it's actually magical realism. Uh, realistic events, a young couple move into a house in the suburbs. Um, and then magic starts to happen because the wall talks to her. And so she's the only one that can hear it at first, and it's um, telling tales about this house and the people who lived there before and how it impacts her life in the past and the present and possibly the future. So uh, John plays the hat maker, his last name is Hetchman. He doesn't have a first name. I know. Right. I think that's kind of amusing. Yes. The crux of part of the story is how I've forgotten my wife's first name. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, Hetchman is the, the man who lived in this house before, and she begins to actually see him, too, and his wife and his friend Meckle from next door. So, mm-hmm. wow. This is described, as you were alluding to, a cross between a ghost story and what, a Yiddish fable described as a whimsical play, redefining home, family, and love. I'll stay with you. Yeah, the fable part that is a a character from Jewish folklore is a golem. A golem is an animated anthropomorphic being made of inanimate stuff like mud or clay. And we have a golem come to life uh, that sort of transports everything into another realm. (laughs) Tell us more about your character, John. My character is uh, a seemingly sedentary hat maker. You would guess he would be retired. (laughs) And he spends his days watching television, snacking, Mm -hmm. and uh, yelling for his wife to come do this, do that. And he wears a hat, but at the beginning of the show... He loses his hat, and that sends him, uh, well, initially from his home base of his chair, sends him on a search to find that hat, which is bound up in his sense of self-worth, his identity, and maybe the identity of people around him. Uh, it's all hat-based. <laughs> As you are wearing a hat, John Stevens Douglas. What? I'm wearing a hat now, yes. It's not the hat, okay, but no. a hat. <laughs> what did it take to uh, make this character work for you? It didn't take a lot. For some, for some reason, I, I found a, uh, an understanding of the character. I, um, not that I sit home and watch TV all the time, but mm, maybe mm-hmm. I do that. But... Uh, I, I I just had a, a, an idea about him, and and then as I read the the play, uh, I, I saw such a wonderful you know journey that he goes on, that you know it was very exciting to hear that I was ultimately going to be playing this part. Yes, you actually have a character in the cast as voice. Yes, her na- she has no name. There, 
We don't know her name. No one ever calls her by name, but she is the young woman who moves into the house, and she actually becomes the voice of the story. She partially narrates the things that I'm doing. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. You have one heck of a stage manager. I do. He's also the assistant director. My my, uh, partner in life and on stage, Gary Mitchell, is helping me, and I couldn't do it without him. Tell us more about how this is fitting into uh, Jewish Theater Grand Rapids theme. And, of course, you don't have to be Jewish to be in or attend a a show. That's right. Um, The theme for the whole year is Truth and Consequences. And in this particular play, the truth of what happened in this house has consequences for Voices Life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Describe the set, John. Well, <laughs> the set at Spectrum Theater is, right? is yep. yeah, well. It'll 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 basically consist of uh, a a room in which we see a large chair, and uh, the character of Voice and her fiance uh, boyfriend they're moving in together into this space, which was formerly inhabited by my character and his wife. So. Uh, and the wall, of course, is the the connection between the two, and it's basically a straight-up wall in the back, kind of plain, because there's going to be things projected on that wall during the course of the show. Who's playing your old, uh, what she described as, a, a, an old-suffering, long-suffering wife? That's Sandy. Sandy Kirchinger. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, obviously uh, casting was, uh, you, you've got some, some big names here. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't do it without Mike Smolinski and John Stevens Douglas, for sure, for sure. Um, I have to thank Mike Smolinski for bringing John Stevens Douglas to auditions because he's been semi-retired. Where have you been, John? I've been been, uh, been here, actually, part of the time. And uh, Mike is someone I brought in to do real music shows with me. And he's been uh, nudging me to get involved in community theater again. And I've been auditioning, and this has been like my third audition. And I wasn't even, this wasn't even on my radar. Mike says to me one time, he said, Oh, I'm going to audition for The Hatmaker's Wife. Uh, there's a part for you. And I was like, Oh, really? And I said, Yeah. I said, it's the, part, it's the part of my character's best friend. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I immediately my thought was, Mike's going for the big part, and I'm going to play his like you know, best friend sidekick, and uh, it turned out to be completely the opposite. He's more like my best friend, and I'm more like the central character. I didn't realize this when I was going into audition, but um, uh, I I. He described the play to me, and we we went out both uh, at the same time to audition, and it uh, turned out great for both of us. We're both in the play. You had to make the choice, didn't you, Mary Beth? I did, and you know, wow. um, there were five older guys auditioning for these two roles, and I couldn't cast my husband. Because <laughs> oh, John out him, okay. and Michael out-sweethearted him. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yes, for... I have the curmudgeon gene passed on to me from my father. <laughs> I miss yes. your dad. He was a regular voice here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, uh, know that uh, he has touched many. All right. Well, um, Mary Beth, what else uh, is important about the hat maker's wife? Tickets are available on the Jewish Theater website, www.jtgr.org, O-R-G, 
And tickets uh, are on sale now, and we open February 29th. We play through March 10th. Those Thursday and Saturday performances at 7.30, mm-hmm. Sunday matinees at 3. And, of course, Spectrum Theater. Yes. Great. Uh, why come see the show, John Stevens-Douglas? Well, this is uh, everybody's chance to see the voices of John Stevens-Douglas and Mike Smolinski from Real Music appearing live on stage in <laughs> physical form. This nice. is a, a, tre- a tremendous opportunity in that in that regard. But other than that, it's a it's an absolutely fabulous show, and uh, it it will uh, touch your emotions as well as make you laugh. Great, great cast. John Stevens Douglas playing the Hat Maker, of course, directed by Mary Beth Quillen. All right, break a leg. Uh, enjoy the run. <laughs> Thank you. Here we go. Sarah Belote, Belote on the line. She's a big deal. Statewide. OTY Campaign Development Director. What does that even mean? Well, let's uh, pitch the opportunity to, well, get involved. Visionary of the Year campaign for 2024 under the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society is getting ready to kick off. Uh, and of course, this very important uh, statewide event and yes, has a present in presence in West Michigan. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Michigan, Indiana region, you a big deal. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. How are you? Doing fine. Thank you for you. I know you're out and about uh, traveling the state, so we'll we'll get you uh, 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 teased, teed up for, obviously, this conversation. Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, how important are you? Extremely important. So LLS is impacting all forms of blood cancer, typically includes leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma, And Michigan is one of the highest states in the United States for instance rates in blood cancer. There are over 50,000 people currently battling blood cancer here in Michigan with someone getting diagnosed every three minutes. So extremely important here in West Michigan specifically. Yes. How, well, I'll I'll stay with the the topic of of, uh, general uh, conversation, celebrating 90 years of compassion in action. What is the role of the association? Can you say more to that? Yes. uh, You are all about, I imagine, advocacy, fundraising, and being there when a question is asked. Yeah, absolutely. So we have three main pillars of how we impact our patients. Research, we are looking for a cure for cancer and dramatically impacting the treatment path of cancer patients. Patient support and education, we are focused on getting financial aid to patients so that they're battling cancer and not battling finances, and educating our healthcare professionals and our community members on early detection. And then advocacy, and advocacy is lobbying at state and federal government to make sure everybody is receiving the same standard of care for cancer and equal and affordable care for cancer, specifically working in the health disparity gap. And are you changing lives? We absolutely are. That is our goal. Um, We are getting in front of patients within three months of diagnosis, making sure that they know that we are there in the fight with them through financial support, through getting them connected to clinical trials, mentorship with previous patients who know what they're going through. Our goal is to make sure no one fights alone. 
Yes, thank you for that. Well, I've had some uh, personal involvement with your LLS, serving on a, uh, a steering committee, doing some MC work with uh, your wonderful, uh, obviously, events to raise friends and funds uh, to do what you do. So let's get into, well, uh, 2024, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Vision of the Year campaign. Where are we in this? Absolutely. And Shelly, first off, thank you for everything that you've done for our campaign and our organization. You've been an awesome supporter. Thanks. We're very appreciative of the opportunity to speak today. You're welcome. Visionaries of the Year is a transformative campaign. It's a 10-week-long philanthropic competition where leaders in our community build a team and build fundraising plans to compete to see who can raise the most money in a 10-week period. This year, we are launching um, tonight on February 22nd um, with 12 incredible candidates and community leaders who have built out fundraising plans over the last three months and are getting ready to start fundraising today. And they will compete for the next 10 weeks until our grand finale gala on May 4th. Sorry, May 2nd. And um, that is where we will announce our visionary of the year, the team that raised the most money. Yes. Of course, there, yes, has to be a, uh, a winner, as they say, but you're all coming together. I trust all the, all the funds raised go into the same kitty for that same person uh, in need. Absolutely. I can tell you that um, in the beginning of the campaign, our candidates like to set a goal for how much they want to raise, and they care very deeply about winning. And by the end of the campaign at grand finale, every person in the room is just so excited about the grand total raised for our mission and the patients that are in that room that they're able to support and the patients all over the United States. So um, everybody wins when they play in this campaign. Great. Well, let's uh, talk about how certainly uh, uh, your community can get involved. And is there a campaign that's actually selling uh, Super Bowl squares to help those in need? (laughs) Yes, there was a campaign that just ran for Super Bowl squares, um, fundraising for our leadership committee, which is kind of like the silent partner to the Visionaries of the Year campaign. They are who recruits our candidates. They identify the high-impact community leaders and nominate them to be a part of the competition. And they ran a fundraising competition with Super Bowl squares to see how they could impact our patients on their own and raise $10,000 just in that activity. And again, uh, all to continue serving people as an expression of, uh, of the love of Christ. So is there a faith component to this? Yes, there is definitely a faith component. In fact, LLS has actually done research on the connection between patients who have a strong faith basis and patients who have better success rates. There is a research grant currently happening um, in the faith space. So I can't speak to that activity quite yet, uh, but it does seem like there's a direct correlation to people who have a deep involvement with their faith and their ability to beat cancer. So, uh, again, tonight, uh, the kickoff, which is very exciting, uh, uh, and yet uh, the competitions uh, do begin. And I think your contestants are asked to kind of think out of the box with fundraising uh, opportunities here. Oh, yes, yes. So none of our 12 candidates will run the campaign exactly the same. They all have unique strategies, and our fundraising experts have partnered with them to ensure that their fundraising plans fit into their way of life. 
So we do a walk of life exercise where we identify what do they do on a daily basis and how can we plug in fundraising to those activities. And then once the competition gets going, people get a little excited and they add in stuff that's even more unique. In fact, we've had candidates say, if she could raise $5,000 this week that she would jump out of a plane. Um, oh. And that happens on Facebook Live. So um, they will do just about anything to help our patients. We are very blessed. And uh, I, I would say yes uh, uh, to Vi as a per potential visionary of the year uh, in this campaign. Most have some tie to, to LLS, uh, and yet uh, some do just because they know the importance of your association. Yes, yes. There are candidates who have a direct tie through family connections or personal survivors. And then there are candidates who know that we are the number one cancer found in children. And they look at their kids every morning and they say, I just can't imagine what I would do if that happened to them. There's candidates who say, I know too many people that have been diagnosed, but it hasn't directly impacted my family and I feel blessed and I want to be proactive about helping others. And then there's people that say, I really don't need a reason to do the right thing. Um, I'm just excited about an organization that's making as big of an impact as LLS is. Great. Well, big night you have. Thank you for your participation as a statewide OTY campaign development director with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, of course, the Michigan-Indiana region. Sarah Belote, how do we find out more information about the campaign and the Visionary Vote? Yes, please, please, please go to Visionaries of the Year. LLS.org, and then click on Find a Campaign and West Michigan. You can see all of our candidates, our leadership team, and our honored heroes who we are impacting the cause on behalf of. And we would love to have you follow us on social media at LLS Michigan um, on both Facebook and Instagram. Follow along with these candidates on their 10-week journey and hear what kind of incredible impact they can make. Great. I'm sure we'll speak again throughout the campaign. Drive safely, Sarah. Thank you for your leadership. Take care. Your inspiration for the day, according to William Shakespeare, love all, trust a few, do wrong to none. Hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great day. I'm Shelley Irwin.